Welcome to this episode. On today's episode, I will be speaking to Mitch Lingard. Mitch is a martial artist and personal trainer and has some amazing lessons to share. So sit back and enjoy it and... Let's go on. Love it. Okay, g'day everyone. It's uh, Darren here with Mitch. Uh, Mitch is a great mate of mine and he's uh, got a terrific story to share. And we're jumping on here to uh, just help other people with their own journey and to share what Mitch has been through. Mitch, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing, Darren. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my name's Mitch Lingard. I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm the founder of The Art of Resilience. I also founded a non-for-profit called Pursue Better Incorporation. Um, I'm very passionate about taking people from where they are to where they want to be and helping them believe in themselves so they could become what they didn't think was possible. And, you know, we're in, in the process of lighting the fire in people and, and then getting them to connect with one another so they can move towards something that's larger than themselves, you know? So it's a very exciting process to be doing that and in this position that I'm currently in, Darren. Yeah, awesome. And what does art of resilience mean to you, mate? Well, life's going to give you a kick in the guts. And, you know, not everything's going to be fluffy or silver spoon. So, you know, I mean, you've got to take that into con- that concept into your mind, into your life and think, oh, okay, the days that are hard, you know, the days that are breaking you, the days that are going to make you, you know, the harder your life is at the moment, the more power you actually have. Because, believe it or not, unbeknownst to oneself, when you're going through difficult situations, there's a lesson there every step of the way, everywhere you look, every thing that you feel that may be hard or you're resisting is actually giving you more and more power. So the art of resilience for me is to be able to bounce back from adversity and end up you know, well above where you were. So if you're in a hole, You know, you're going to be on a mountain. That's what we're going for, you know. To Dasana, I am the mountain. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. I love it. So you mentioned there about being kicked in the guts, difficult situations, you know, bouncing back from adversity, being in a hole. Mate, what holes and adversity have you basically, you know, been through in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So... Well, I can take it back to when I was young. Uh, I had a very promising football career. What um, sort of football? Father, rugby league. Yep, beautiful. Um, my father, he was a prison screw, so he was very punitive, very, very aggressive. Uh, he, he actually worked at Bogger Road Jail. Um, and I don't know if whether he could decipher between home life and, the, and, and, and you know, still being working in the jail, but it was hard and he was a hard man. And my mother was very caring, very loving. And uh, football for me was my escape. You know, I love being on the field. And, uh, you know, everything outside of that, I sort of grew up in a really rough area. Um, a lot of people were taking, you know, amphetamines that were sort of in my brother's age group, which was a couple of years older. And I sort of, you know, as you, when you're younger, you look up to your brother and you want to hang out with him and all that. And, and he was caught up some really bad bastards, you know, and that was right, right out at our doorstep at the park, you know, and, and uh, graffiti 
was the culture when I was growing up. Um, and you were known by your tag or your alias, you know, and uh, mine was, was uh, ripe and then it went to ripple and so on and so forth. And, and uh, so, you know, at a very young age, I got, um, I got caught up smoking marijuana at age nine, uh, very young. I was hanging out with some older guys and that was what they were doing. And I, I participated in that. And uh, then at uh, 11, then I was half an hour before football training. I was um, off on my push bike. Oh no, sorry, on foot this time. And uh, I wanted to get some pot so I could smoke some four footy or whatever. And, and I got high with these older guys and a lot of them guys now are either dead or they're in jail or they're, you know, complete blown drug addicts. Anyway, I smoked this, this pot with these guys and I immediately hallucinated and, and uh, I was, I was on a different planet. I don't, it might've been laced. It might not have been, might've been my very young, uh, undeveloped mind. But, uh, and they kept, I kept trying to run away and they kept keeping me there. And, uh, it was quite a traumatic experience. I was hearing things and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I managed to break free and run away. And then I, uh, I, I went home and I pretty much greened out and went to bed. Didn't go to football training that day. And uh, I was very ashamed of my actions. And I, I kept it to myself. And I told my older brother and he still didn't quite understand. And what happened was uh, thereafter, I had panic attacks for probably... It was a good 12 months thereafter. And I didn't tell my parents. Like I said, I was very ashamed of my actions. And um, I just kept it to myself. So I had that from age 11. And uh, so, like I said, footy was my escape and everything. And then it was, it was uh, when I was about 12, turning 13, um, I was, I reached puberty and I was going through a growth spurt. And when I hit a growth spurt, my back grew into a severe kyphosis, uh, much like a hunchback. And, you know, I was a representative football player, had ambitions of being in the NRL. And then from that debilitating injury, um, I couldn't play the game like I once could, Darren. And, you know, my, my hand and eye coordination was just completely gone. Um, I just was in a lot of pain and, and, and the, the, the tackles were actually hurting me, you know, and, uh, I couldn't sort of withstand the force of the, of the game anymore, which broke my heart in a sense. And uh, then I, I stopped after under 13s, um, the first year of high school. I went from really popular guy um, to I got picked on, you know, so it was a complete flip for me. And, you know, looking back now, I think, oh, this has been a, a really, really interesting journey for me because I felt so supreme at such a young age i felt like i was 15 16 years old at age 10 you know i dated girls that were four or five years older than me when i was 10 you know um so i was much like a you know a year 12 student when i was 10 and uh anyway so i, I left the the, the pot oh I, I left the pot alone for quite a few years after that traumatic experience anyway so i give up football and i needed a vent and i found a muay thai kickboxing gym at age 13 called first strike and this was just brilliant you know it was a it was a great way for me to vent a, a lot of uh built up anger that i had inside of myself and you know the instructor he taught me how to breathe you know and he, he said 
you know, if you're going to sit there, practice on the lounge, you know, breathing in and holding for it as long as you could and then breathing out slowly, you know, uh, for as long as you could. And I thought this is brilliant. And he wanted to actually um, put, match me for a fight. And I was 13. It was with another guy from our gym who was 30. And I thought, Ooh. anyway, we did some sparring at the gym and I actually broke this guy's foot uh, in a Muay, a Muay Thai check. You know, you meant to have your toes down. So you block with your shin and he had his toes up and I think I broke two or three of them. Oops. And as a young kid, I, I, <laughs> I was like, oh no. And he, because he, he was a uh, self-employed electrician and he actually, um, he actually was really angry at me. And I thought, oh, this is not good. So I, I, I didn't not long there after finish up. And then, you know, at the time I was going to school and everything and a lot of people were experimenting with alcohol and drugs. And I'd really had a, quite a lot of experience with that. And, uh, and um, so pretty much I just got stuck into, you know, getting wasted every weekend. Or the, the pursuit of, you know, finding a, a, a woman on the weekend, you know, getting wasted, having sex. You know, that was my sort of, I had, I didn't have a good week unless I'd actually gone out, got off my face and had sex with somebody. That and was sort you, of like. What were you doing that, mate? Well, now looking back, uh, when I was, I think five or six years old, I was actually at a, at a party, um, one of my uncle's party, big open house sort of party, you know, fancy dress. I don't know what I was doing there. Um, but, uh, and that was probably one of the first times I ever smelt marijuana looking back now. And I ended up in a room and I ended up um, having sexual intercourse with two women um, that were a lot older than me. And I was only six years old. So I think, you know, from that experience, while most kids were doing whatever they were doing, I was chasing women, you know, from a very young age. So that was sort of in that uh, zero to seven years of development that had been sort of calcified in my brain that was a normal thing to do and i can remember now darren that the women were actually saying oh it's okay if nobody knows you know what i mean it's it's pretty pretty terrible and everything but i feel comfortable about talking about it because again it's part of my journey and my development yeah so back to being a teen you know it sort of put me on that that wild goose chase of always wanting to pursue that over other things um and then sort of got into the heavier drugs when I was in my teens and um, sure enough, you wouldn't even read about it. But when I was younger, I went to the kickboxing fights and I seen a man there standing in the corner of the room and he was standing alone and he had a projection of aura and energy massive around him, 12, 14 feet. And I thought to myself, wow, like this is a young bloke wow, this guy's got aura and power, you know, look at this, look at that. And people were literally coming up to him and they were bowing from about six to eight feet away and then coming in with a karate handshake and then they were backing off, not taking their eyes off him and walking away. And I just was observing this whole thing take place. And as a young man, I thought, wow, that's just some sort of almost sight from heaven or something like that, you know? And, um, little to be known that I would later to have a lot to do with this particular man. Anyway, so going through the teen years, there was also a man who lived around the corner and he used to train people in his backyard. And 
anyway, so I started training with this guy in the backyard and he was a tent fighter. And um, it's interesting how it's all lining up. Anyway, so I trained him on and off for a couple of years. And uh, anyway, so I got I got really heavily involved in, you know, getting on, on different drugs like um, MDMA and those kinds of things. And when I was 16, 17, I started doing break and enters on properties and um, stealing money and stuff so I could go out and sort of, I dropped out of high school in year 11 and then I found the nightclub scene and, and ecstasy and I thought this is brilliant. So I went out and danced my night away and drank like a fish and smoked cigarettes till the cows come home. Um, chronic asthmatic the whole time this is going on with my severe kyphosis and hunchback. Um, but confident as I could be, I guess. Um, and then I met a woman and not long later uh, she was pregnant and I started working underground and stuff and we had a young son, Charlie. Um, I've now got full custody of Charlie. He's 12 years old. Um, so on this path of destruction, all these things are sort of uh, lining up along the way. And uh, I got heavily involved in um, selling drugs and taking drugs. And I got, um, I was part of a bike club on the Gold Coast and, uh, you know, it was just wild, man. It was really, really wild. The parties were crazy, you know, naked women, all the drugs you wanted. Um, and it, the, the party never stopped, you know. The road never ends and the party never stops kind of thing. And, uh, you know, violence was very uh, prevalent in my life. It had been from a young age. Um, you know, it was, it was nothing to carry a knife or, you know, just to have a gun or anything like that, you know. Yeah. Um, I think at the worst point there, um, I, ha I would sleep with a handgun and a, and a pump action shotgun, you know, just highly paranoid. Yeah. Um, was quite confident to fight most people, but yeah, most people would generally come with a gun to, at me, I think. But um, yeah, so that was sort of my teen years was a lot of, you know, alcohol and violence and, and, and crime, you know, and yep. sort of yep. as, as, as a young man, that's sort of like, that was sort of the path that was to be ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. So mate, you, you mentioned that um, like, uh, you know, a lot of the people that you used to hang out with were either, you know, dead or drug addicts or whatever, or in, in incarcerated. Um, why wasn't that your journey? Why wasn't that your path? Well, you know, when I was young, I'd sit on the back veranda with my mother and um, she worked in mental health at the hospital and she'd say, there's there's two types, Mitchell. There's mad and there's bad. And uh, she said, and the ones that come in there, some of them are, are mad, and but a lot of them are bad and they should be in jail. And my mother really sort of like spent time telling me about these people and you know, she told me the rights and wrong things to do. My father was always very loving, but he was aggressive and had his own shadow going on, you know, and he would love in his own way. But I guess uh, they did their best sending me to a private school and stuff. But uh, I'm not like really down. I think it was just something inside of myself that I knew that I was gifted, you know, that was uh, from a young age. I just knew that I, I was special and that I was gifted. And that, uh, you know, even though I had these debilitating injuries and I was going through all this path of destruction, something still inside of me was like still burning, 
you know, and it it got to a point where I was really at my very, very lowest in my life. And I thought, I'm going to end it. I don't want to be here. I've had enough. You know, I just had a gut full of everything. People I was hanging around, what I saw in the mirror, I was disgusted with myself and who I was. And, and what when I you looked in the mirror, when you looked in the mirror, what did you feel? I just felt the deepest sadness, you know. Um, I felt like I wasn't loved. I felt, I felt, you know, broken, um, an emotional wreck, you know. And that's yeah. that was that was a big part of the reason why I abused drugs and alcohol because I just hated who I was and I was so sad, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what a lot of that's why a lot of people abuse drugs and alcohol because there's there's trauma inside of themselves that they don't know how to deal with and when they do get you know stoned drunk fried whatever you want to call it it helps them numb that particular pain and helps them move away from that inner feeling you know which is their reality so it's that escape so yeah i got to this lowest point and i i decided yeah i'll just end it and then what happened was I had a pump action shotgun and it was loaded and I put it under my jaw and I was like screaming myself into, <laughs> into just pushing down. Um, and then pushing down on my the son wasn't, Yeah. Yeah. And then my son wasn't like, it was just crazy. Like a real colorful imagery of my son just came through my thought, you know, and then he was kicking a soccer ball. And I went, oh, like, right, you know, it was almost sent to me, you know, whether it was him, him pre-cogging my brain or you know, an energy come to me, you know, the presence of him. And then I sort of tried to ignore that because that sort of amplified how I was feeling, you know, that I wasn't a good father. And then, and then I went back to the job and then I was oh, trying to really get the job done, psyching myself into it. And then he was on a swing, swinging like this, you know, and then, I just decided then I was like, fuck this. Excuse my French. But I'm I'm going to I'll put the I put the thing away and then I decided I'm going to be a positive role model in his life and in other people's lives. And from that point I cut everybody off that was, you know, using using drugs and ice and um yeah, that was sort of that was the that was the real pivotal point that I had to be the change. And what did what did you go through by cutting off those people? Those people, I dare say, were you know friends, uh, potential you know family, you know the brotherhood, the code that you go through. Yeah, what did I mean, mean by cutting them off. Yeah, like I went through two bike clubs, but. It wasn't really the bike club was more of more of a discipline for me than that. It was, you know, I mean like uh, people have it sort of mixed up with with you know clubs or gangs or whatever. There is rules, you know, I mean, and and they don't want you to get off your head on heavy drugs and that kind of thing. You know, I think cocaine's quite prevalent in in society and most people, even you know, soccer moms and that, they're on the coke because they don't get a hangover, but. Um, what I went through, Darren, was feelings of rejection, feelings of 
being alone, you know, when you're breaking away from an environment that you've been all too familiar with and that's all you've ever known your whole life. Yeah. You know, this is a very, very lonely journey, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, complete loneliness, you know, um, isolation. Yeah. Um, fear how, of the unknown. How scared were you? Like you put the gun down and you're living for your son and you want to be the best version of yourself. But how scary was it in that moment, basically giving up the only family that you had then and then embracing the unknown? Yeah, I mean, anything could have been better than what I was, where I was going or what I was doing, you know, or who I was hanging around. Um, you know, it's... And it, why, you, are, why? you are your environment, you know, and I knew if I was going to move forward... Yeah, I couldn't keep the same environment, you know. Yeah. So why keep Where, going, mate? Why keep going? Why keep moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like it's just a burning desire, and I had a burning desire to be a positive male role model in my son's life, you yeah. know. And 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 many people I've impacted now because doing that internal work on myself and yeah. you know rehabilitating myself, I knew that was going to fix people around me. You know? Yeah, but back then though, back then though, you've 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 put the shotgun down. You had the realization with your son, and then where did you go from there, mate? Where did just where did you where did the next part of the journey go from there? Yeah. Um. So I went out in front of the house one day, and like I grew up in Catholic schools, and I was sort of, you know, open to the idea of you know higher power than myself or higher power than what we have here on this earth plane something bigger and greater i just knew existed and i went out the front of the house and i put my arms out wide like i was like jesus christ nailed to the cross and i looked up to the sky and i said god universe higher power please help me give me the strength that i need to overcome this this is yeah i need help here i need i need help please i'm up and i was you know i mean i was completely i felt naked and i was willing you know completely open book and sure enough within like two days <clears throat> these mormons come and knocked on the door and i'd been listening to an aussie rapper at the time called draft and he, and he raps this one verse and he goes, knocking on your door like I was a Mormon. Yeah. When money came, it was gone with the wind on a shopping list longer than the Lord of the Rings. And so it's like that sentence. And I was like, wow, these guys rolled up. And because I was quite lonely, I was, I, th I sort of opened them or welcomed them with open arms. And then we sat there and I was really paranoid. They were cops or whatever at the time. And I sat at the front with them and I was smoking cigarettes back then. And we just talked about different things and philosophies and how we viewed it, reincarnation, all sorts of stuff for hours and hours. And then I said, you guys are welcome to come back anytime. And yeah. So through this process, then I knew because prior to myself um, hitting my lowest point, there was a period there where I, I actually got clean and healthy and I had a kickboxing, a couple of kickboxing fights. And I knew to myself that if I could master my physicality again, that it would take me out of where the hole that I was in. And there was a, I, I did, mind you, I didn't get my license till I was 25 years old. Um, 
just got disqualified for years and years. But um, oops. But then I, my brother actually brought me a um, a motorized scooter, like a stand up one that was like a kamikaze thing for three years. Anyway, there was an Anytime Fitness down the road, and I started going down there, and um, my mate's father actually was quite a, a strong um, power lifter type guy. And he sort of, I sort of jumped on his, jumped on his crew and we, we started pumping weights every day, you know, and he sort of kept me accountable, um, which was really sick. Like, and then I felt my body going through the changes and then I was eating and I was sleeping and I started getting into a pattern. And I knew from when I had that discipline, when I had those couple of kickboxing fights, that was about four or five, six months there that I was real strict. And I just got stuck back into a, you know, a proper a nutritious um, diet that was assisting the physical training that I was enduring and I was getting enough sleep. You know, the quality of sleep was back and my mindset started to change because I was like, fuck, I'm actually feeling really, really good. And, and then I progressively started to, and mind you at the time, like, friends of mine were going to rehab and jail yeah, and yeah. some were like literally yeah. hanging themselves like um and, and then there was how were yeah. how were you feeling good whilst they were doing that was there any was there any problem within yourself with feeling good like sometimes you know sometimes we have an issue with actually you know allowing ourselves to feel good yeah I, there are times that i would feel guilty about feeling good yeah and that's sort of a, uh, that's it's been like that my whole life, I guess, like when I've sort of achieved things and what I've done in seven years is like, I've lived the life of 10 men in the last mm. seven years. Yeah. And I haven't even shared the full depth of it because something inside of me was like, Oh, I don't want people to be jealous or envious or whatever. And I always sort of never really truly celebrated my own success. Yeah. Cause I felt, I don't know, sad for other people because they couldn't break free from the chains that were holding them down. Yeah. Would Would you ever tell your boy not to be honest though? Would you ever tell your boy not to celebrate? Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's well, life is the best gift we could possibly have. Like, hundred percent. You know, there's like there's probably forty billion souls waiting to have our physical body right now, and you know if we're not taking full advantage of the brilliant opportunity we have been blessed with to be alive, you know, we need to have a hard look at ourselves because we so, are being gifted right now just by being alive. So with your journey and, and thinking about everything that you've ever been through, buddy, what, what message would you like to share with people? You know, how can we learn from your life? How can we how can we gain perspective and greater understanding? What would you love people to understand and be able to implement in their life? That's a really, really good question. It's like this. If you're feeling pain, it's good because it's teaching you something. And you can't out fuck. You can't out drink. You can't out smoke. You can't out party the pain away. You need to sit with it because it's teaching you something, you know, and 
the biggest thing that you, you need to do is have a goal, a dream, a burning desire to achieve something. And it's got to be big. It can't be mediocre and small. It has to be monstrous and like it scares you even thinking about it. it scares other people when you say it. They, it makes them feel uncomfortable. Because if it's not that, it's not even close to the mark of what your true potential is. And if you've got something that you're truly burning, it's burning with inside you to achieve it. And you align that with a good environment of supportive people around you, nutrition, like real food, with, with reading books, with not watching TV, with training your body and looking after yourself and nourishing yourself, loving yourself. If you can do all those things, the opportunities are they're going to they're gonna come rushing at you at a million miles an hour. You know, yeah. whatever you want, it wants you too. Mm. Whatever you want, wants you. Mm. You know, if, if, you, if you're focusing on all the shit things in your life, you become a giant shit magnet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, here's, a, here's another nice little question for you. It sort of tails in on the, what we just said or what we just asked. What do you think the meaning or purpose of life is? That's awesome. I believe the meaning and purpose of life is to, is to serve others with love without the, the thought of getting something in return, to give unconditionally to others and, and, and through your own shadow, through your own turmoil and hardship, there's lessons there. And if you really can grasp them lessons, you can impact others with your lessons and make the world a better place. Beautiful. Beautiful. And now uh, as, a, as a father, how are you with that role? How does that role sit with you? Yeah. It brings up a lot of my shadow in myself and it makes like all the time, I feel like I'm constantly not doing a good job. I feel like I'm never like, yeah, it's, that's probably, it's a difficult one for me. Like, cause I took custody of my son and there was a lot of stuff that went on there. And, but I know deep down I did the right thing, but just constantly like checking on myself to make sure that I'm, you know, setting a good example. Um, you and know. With, with setting a good example by the time you're done in your life many 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 years to come buddy what's one thing you hope and pray that he has learnt from you what's the most important message uh, he'll say but my father blazed his own trail he stood up for what he believed in Yeah. even, in, in, even when he was criticised for thinking and being differently mm -hmm. my father he, he had a backbone and he stood up what what was right, you yeah. know, and he fought, he'll say my father fought the good fight. Nice. How are you feeling now, buddy? I feel like crying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's hard funny. for me to do. Like, it's like, it's very difficult for me to cry. Yeah. Why do you feel like crying? Because I feel like 
this is going to get through to a lot of people and it's going to help impact their life. And I know it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And even talking and sharing my experience with you and the listeners, it's making me reflect on the things that I've almost even forgotten about from where I've come from. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, we've only had, we just touched on things, you know? Yeah. Um, Do you, do you ever worry that you're going to go back to that life? No. Have I'll never totally, go back. You've totally I'll cut never off? ever go back to that life. Why not? Uh, because it's it doesn't serve me and it, it, it brings yeah, good it boy. brings it brings doesn't serve the world. Like yeah. uh, you know what I mean? I'm not living I'm not living my truth or close to my truth. Well on that is. on that, Mitchy. <laughs> what yeah. is what is your truth, buddy? Oof. Um there's, there's a lot of answers to that, Darren. Yeah, man. Um, my truth would be do what challenges you the most. Yeah. Whatever you're, whatever you're resisting, you're giving energy to. So the truth would be, you know, stand up for what you believe in. And, and even if it, if it means your life, mm. you know, even if it means your life. And in our current climate, like, I feel that we need to stand up for ourselves and be united with one another more than ever. And we can't do that through anger, through violence, through fear. Yeah. That has to be done through love and, you know, being compassionate and understanding and, and, and bringing others up and, and sharing with others and being creative, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're all together and the Buddhists refer to it as, Eshafuni, you know, we are an organism and there's no divide here, you know, as much as, um, you know, there may be a, uh, an, an intention for a divide, but we are all together black, yeah. white, yellow, brown, blind, black, paralyzed, the living, the dead, we are all connected. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. How are you feeling now? I feel awesome. Good man. Good. Now, you have the weirdest background there. What the hell is in your backyard? <laughs> Do you want to have a tour? <laughs> yeah, man. What is in your backyard? You got a boxing ring. Yeah, it's a boxing ring. I'll just give you a turn this around. So this is an Olympic-sized boxing ring in the backyard here. Uh, why? Uh, well, it was for sale really cheap, and we, we teach boxing. Yep. Um, it's been a, been a prevalent thing in my life because um, I do the, the tent fighting. Yes. Which, is, which isn't in a ring, but it's just on a mat inside yep. of a tent. But uh, yeah, so this is home. We moved the gym home here. Beautiful. As you can see, my clothes are hanging up. It's <laughs> okay. Few racks. And this is like our little dojo in here. I'm going to make it bigger and better. But... Awesome. Yeah, awesome. a few weapons on the wall there. There's a nice little bike there, mate. Yeah, it's it's good fun. That's so, yeah. so um, just a couple more just before we finish. Uh, yeah, discipline has been a massive part of your life. Yes. Why does discipline matter to you? Without discipline, we'll sneak back into our bad habits you know 
um, the things that don't serve us. But if we stay and remain disciplined, we can stay on track. You know, we can keep moving toward our goals and our desires. Awesome. Awesome. And moving forwards, what dreams, goals, future do you have? What motivates you? What lights your fire within? When I founded Pursue Better Incorporation, it's a non-for-profit entity, which I appreciate you asking this because lately I've been doing the inner searching myself, thinking what I've sort of gone off alignment because I needed to make, well, I wanted to make money so I could create more freedom. And with the money comes the freedom. So it's not the dollars that I'm chasing, it's the freedom. And then with that freedom, I intend to have multiple acreage facilities where people can, can come, stay in and live and get educated on how to live better because the way that the world has been designed, the system, this beast, it's not serving humanity and it's not serving you and I and our children moving forward. It's not a sustainable future. So I believe that if I can create an environment where people get clear on where they want to go with their life and they have the right nutrition and they stay away from pharmaceuticals and they are given guidance and they are in a loving, supporting environment, they won't go back. They'll become leaders that will then inspire other people. So we're just creating leaders. That's, that's the plan, you know, and that'd be through you know, a mentoring program and, and all the stuff, you know, like the, all the stuff we do within real movement, you know, strength movement, mobility and martial arts. You know, I do, I intend to reach thousands of people all over the world through the journey of 1000 miles. Um, as Sun Tzu would say, you know, it's the first step is seemingly the hardest step on the journey of 1000 miles. And to create the freedom to be able to do all these things, Darren, I've built a whopping online program that will teach you and others martial arts. And collectively as a group in the Better Together here, we had a little taste of a class the other night. Love it. And do you have any favourite sayings? Oh, there's lots. Uh, first one comes to mind is to know and not to do is not to know. Ooh, Leo Pascali. What about also, also, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, I love that. One of my um, favorite ones is uh, whilst there's breath, there's hope. Are you breathing? Absolutely. Are you breathing? Yeah, well, there's still time. <laughs> yeah. Um, another good one is uh, failure equals success. Yeah, wow. That's cool. Um, hey, um, and how actually just if there's a if there's a one line or a couple of lines that you could say to to sum up everything you've talked about, what would it be?
you are a product of what you think. So what you think and what you feel is what you create and attract into your life. So if you can go inward and learn to love who you are, well, then you can be vulnerable enough to love others and have an impact on other people around you. Beautiful. And how can people reach you, mate? Um, they can reach me on Mitchell Lingard on or Mitch Lingard on Facebook and Instagram, and also Art of Resilience on Instagram. Beautiful, beautiful. I would like to say from my heart to you, mate. Thank you very much for being honest, uh, open, raw, vulnerable. You are one of the most courageous, beautiful men I've ever met. And I want to thank you for having the courage to keep pushing the boundaries. Thank you for inspiring me and inspiring many other people. And I absolutely pray that you achieve all of your goals, bud. Back to you with interest, brother. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, um, thank you very much, man. And I... Yeah, look forward to us continuing to connect into the future. And yeah, good luck, brother. God bless. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you got something out of it, can you please share it with other people? The goal of this is to enrich not only your life, but as many lives around you as we possibly can. Remember to love everyone and everything, including yourselves, and stay tuned for many more episodes to come. Have a great day and see you soon.